Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Well, there's the fanfare for the common man, and here we are with the Dogs Program. Once again, we're here every Saturday at 12 noon, without fail. And we have to be here because public schools, which we defend and promote, need to be defended and promoted in the current political and economic climate. Now, we have a website, www.adogs.info. And this week, press release 653 has gone up. And this is it. Sectarianism in education. Funding has been withdrawn from Islamic, but not from Catholic schools. Religious schools are sectarian schools. They choose children on the basis of religion and they indoctrinate children, in particular religious tenets. Well, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. It's just that they want public money to do this, and that's what the dogs don't agree with. There are also private schools which enjoy our public funding without, within minimal, without, sorry, with minimal, if any, accountability. Yet, when it comes to the exposure of corruption and mismanagement of public funds, it seems that some religions are more equal than others. The Roman Catholic uh, group of schools certainly takes precedence over Islamic systems. Now, how do we know this? In recent weeks, the Victorian Auditor-General has exposed extensive mismanagement of public funds by the Victorian Catholic Education Commission. Dogs note that, religion aside, the Victorian Catholic education bureaucracy is a sub-branch of a very wealthy multinational corporation which pays no taxes but demands taxpayer money for its various enterprises. And you can find out about what the Victorian Attorney General, sorry, um, Auditor General had to say about the Catholic Education Office of Victoria uh, in our press release number 647 and 649 also. Although there is evidence of mismanagement of hundreds of millions and even billions of dollars of public money over decades in the Catholic Education Office, the State Minister has just promised to make some administrative changes and no money has been returned and no school has been closed. For the Church, this is the Roman Catholic Church, this event in Victoria, this Auditor General's report, is just a small storm in a colonial teacup. There's been a bit of sabre rattling, and now it is business as usual. 
There's certainly no question of any funds lost from the coalition government in Canberra, quite the reverse. Uh, Mr Turnbull has told us that he will continue always to fund private schools. After all, it's in the coalition's DNA to do so. But uh, public schools can go begging from the state governments. They're committed, actually, to funding only private religious schools in the Canberra Coalition. Now, compare this story. Compare this Victorian story with that of the Islamic schools, and most particularly the Malik Fahd Islamic School in Sydney, which has recently been stripped of federal government funding after a recent review. Now, this school was established with a $12 million grant from the King of Saudi Arabia, who gave the money to buy a big um, block of land in Lakemba, I think it was, uh, somewhere in Sydney, in the west of Sydney. But it now faces the loss of $20 million in government funding and also faces closure. And it's not the only Islamic school facing this predicament. So what is going on? Now, there has been a review of the Islamic schools, but the review is a private and not an Auditor-General's review. It's a private audit by Deloitte of six schools which are affiliated with the Australian Federation of Islamic Councils. And in total, these schools have received about $41 million in funding in 2015. So they are also receiving up to 75% of their funding. So if the funding is withdrawn, they'll be in trouble. Now, the Deloitte audit found all of them failed to meet basic standards required to qualify for the federal funding. It found ongoing concerns about the school's independence, financial management and governance arrangements because these schools are all required by the government, we find, to operate as financially viable, not-for-profit organisations under the Australian Education Act of 2013. In addition to this, the funding must only be used for school education. And the Education Department issued notices to the six schools in November asking them to show cause why their funding should not be cut off. And the responses of two schools were unsatisfactory and the department decided in February to stop funding them. Now, the controversial um, stopping of the uh, funding uh, happened after it was found that these, these schools were being operated for profit. Now, the management of the Malik Fard... Islamic School in Sydney has been in disarray for years and the government has reportedly found evidence of a phantom loan, mystery payments and undeclared conflicts of interest during its investigation. And it's been able to find out about these because the parents themselves of the school and various members of the Islamic community have reported that this is the case and haven't been unhappy about it. If you go back and you look at what happens with the Catholic system, you will find that the government hands over hundreds of millions of dollars to a bureaucracy, which protects itself from parents, principals and everybody else. And it does what it likes with the money. 
So there is uh, a difference between the actual governance of the two systems. Mm. One can be looked at more clearly than the other. Now, last year, the ABC was received leaked documents that alleged that some representatives of the school's parent body, the Australian Federation of Islamic Councils, profited from taxpayer funds that were given to the schools. And these documents revealed that senior administrators were paid up to $500,000 a year for unidentified services. And a loan of more than $1.4 million was also given to the AFIC, but that's the Australian um, Council of that's the Australian body for the um, Islamic councils, but no one knows what the money was used for and there's no agreement covering the terms. And there was a meeting at the school that really turned quite nasty and police were called there in March and the whole thing turned chaotic. Apparently microphones were reportedly snatched and a lawyer was allegedly assaulted and delegates were blockaded by burly-looking men as delegates blamed each other for the mismanagement of the school. There were more than 2,000 students attending this school and they're being left in limbo, or they claim that they're being left in limbo because the good news, listeners, about all of this is that the state schools in Western Sydney are going to take these children in and these children will be not in selective religious schools being indoctrinated day after day but will be receiving an excellent education which we have in our public system and they will be learning to live with children from many many different backgrounds because the west of Sydney is if anything very very multicultural. Now, the school itself has lodged an appeal after the internal review and um, the, the um, chairwoman, Miriam Silver, has said that the school is going to seek re-registration and had made good progress towards meeting the government's strict funding requirements. Now, there are other Islamic schools that are under threat also. The Islamic School of Canberra, was due to have its funding withdrawn on April the 8th, but it has been granted extra time to apply for an internal review. And that school could lose up to a million dollars in government funding. It has 217 students. And three other schools have passed muster and they will continue to receive funding. But dogs are very interested in all of this because... Uh, there are a number of differences between the Roman Catholic and the Islamic sectarian education systems. Dogs note that the Roman Catholic system's hierarchical, pretty authoritarian, and when under threat, it closes ranks. After all, it's taken decades and decades and decades for the whole problem of sexual assault on young children uh, within the Catholic system to come to light through a royal commission. And I think we have uh, Ms Gillard to thank for that. That was a very, very courageous thing for her to do, to set that up. But um, this system closes ranks very quickly, whereas the Islamic system has proved to be exposed to its own whistleblowers. 
Mr Birmingham appears to adhere to the principles of ministerial responsibility when it comes to Islamic schools. He says, Australians rightly expect that every taxpayer dollar committed to school education is generally expended on school education. And that's all to the good. That is what our ministerial responsibility is about and that's what he should be saying. But it's a bit different when it comes to Roman Catholic schools, doesn't it? So docs note the following. Mr Birmingham is withdrawing money from the Islamic but not the Roman Catholic sector, although billions more in public money and more discrimination against children is involved in the Roman Catholic sector. And in addition, the Victorian review was that of an Auditor-General, not a private multinational consulting company like Deloitte's. (coughs) Secondly, dogs note that Australian children would be better served if all state aid was withdrawn and we didn't have these schools uh, sucking on the teat of taxpayer funding. Thirdly, our politicians refuse to admit to their peril that giving public money to sectarian systems of education makes a nonsense of ministerial responsibility, accountability, transparency and, above all, the proper education of a nation's children. So that is our press release for this week and um, we'll have a little bit of a break for a bit of music so that you don't have to listen to my voice all of the time. I'm sorry, Robert is overseas at the moment and we'll come back with lots of good information from uh, Europe for you. But we'll have just a bit of a break now. Join Melbourne's top musicians as they show their support for human rights. The concert, Fearless Music, features political, protest and freedom songs written by the world's best fearless songwriters. Singers include Ross Wilson, Stephen Cummings, Cash Savage, Liz Stringer, Mark Seymour, Jane Clifton, Rob Snarsky, Sean Kelly and Lisa Miller. Fearless Music, Sunday May the 8th at 3pm at the Mimo Music Hall in St Kilda. 
Book tickets now at mimomusichall.com.au. Sponsored by Liberty Victoria, a 3CR supporter. In July 1976, from an old warehouse in High Street, Armadale, 3CR Community Radio hit the airwaves, heralding 40 years of independent, community-owned and controlled radio. This will be the first station owned and operated by a cooperative of community organisations on a Melbourne-wide basis. This is 3CR. As the status quo of old media is challenged, as publications come and go, in a country with the highest concentration of media ownership in the world, 3CR continues to broadcast radical, insightful radio 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're not talking about land rights, we're talking about sovereignty. That's why it's important for us to be at the 10 Embassy. From the protests against the Franklin River Dam to the 1998 waterfront dispute, from the east-west tunnel picket to the Aboriginal 10 Embassy, the history of 3CR is dynamic and passionate and ongoing. I was born here, I will die here. I am not moving. So as we celebrate 40 years in 2016, we ask you, our volunteers, listeners and supporters, to join in in saying... Happy birthday, 3CR! A new illustrated book by Alina and Bruce MacDonald stars our beloved comrade Bill Della as the protagonist in a journey that stems from Ballarat to Humpty Doo and features all the lefty issues that were dear to Bill's big heart. 3CR has a few precious copies of this beautiful book for sale for $20 plus $5 postage. All proceeds will go to the Solidarity Breakfast Program's Radiothon Fund. You can buy it online at the 3CR shop. Go to the 3CR website... 3cr.org.au or pick up your copy at the station. Politicians and mainstream media are fueling anti-Muslim hate. Attacks on Muslims are increasing and the fear is causing some women to restrict their movements. Worse, an anti-Muslim political party is launching in October. It's time for people who oppose bigotry to organise. Stand up and speak out against Islamophobia. Sign the statement at www.voicesagainstbigotry.org and ask others to do the same. Don't be a bystander. Voices Against Bigotry is a 3CR supporter. For three years, teachers have had their qualifications, their pay, their pensions and their working conditions attacked relentlessly by this government. We're proud product of a government-funded primary school education and of a government-funded secondary school education. Australia is one of the richest and luckiest countries in the world and there's no reason whatsoever why we can't have the very best public schools in the world. It's simply not good enough that kids with disability miss out. Our education is not for profit. Our education is not for profit. You're listening to The Dogs, the defence of government schools on 3CR. Well, that was Jeannie Kelso on the road to the Isles. But uh, we're now going to talk about 
infrastructure, taxation, mm. infrastructure, banks and all kinds of other interesting things. Education, the education of our future generation is very much related to the taxation system and the federation, where the money is going to come from to build schools and pay teachers for the children of this nation to be educated in first-rate public schools. And you and I know that certainly since the 1980s, there's been a big shortfall in spending on infrastructure, on schools and on teachers. And there is some kind of romancing in our society at the moment that private is better than public and private can do it when we have proved again and again and again that only public can do it. And, of course, the private system in this this country has proved once again they can't, they won't, and they're not interested in doing it, uh, in, in educating all of our children. But not only that, they can't do it because they're demanding that we pay public money for them to do it. So it's it's really, I think, what some people would call a no-brainer. Now, parents are starting to wake up, particularly in the inner city of Melbourne, but also in the outer reaches of Melbourne, that their children may not have the option of a public school, any public school, let alone a first-rate public education for their children. We're confronted in the inner city of Melbourne with a huge building with Haley Bellery written on it down in William Street for the children of the Docklands. But how many children of the Docklands or of Melbourne are going to be able to afford Haley Berry fees? So the parents in the inner city are mobilising. And I got an email this week and I live in the inner city and I'm a grandmother and I'm very concerned about my grandchildren having a good public education in the inner city and uh, I'm going to ask Dale to read you from this email. Thanks, Jean. Yeah, I've got an email here entitled City Schools for City Kids. We need city schools for our city kids. Almost every school in the inner city is full or overcrowded, with some schools having to hold classes in hallways and libraries. Families in the CBD and Docklands still don't have any public schools for their kids to go to. The Andrews government needs to fund city schools in this year's budget, which is handed down next Wednesday, April 27th. The community-led campaign City Schools for City Kids doesn't have big money, but we do have power on our side. Send Minister James Molino an email and let him know you support the, com- the campaign. Yes, so yours truly, of course, sent off an email and said, yes, I'm a grandmother, I've got grandchildren, I want, uh, I want public schools for the inner city. And I reminded Mr Melino of what Mr Kennett had done to our public schools. I don't know how many of you remember, there was a lovely school at West Melbourne, a very old school, a very proud school. Mr Kennett closed it. Mm-hmm. And he gave it to the Salvation Army, who managed to sell the Gill Memorial downtown for eleven million and then get Mr. Kennett to spend thirteen million on upgrading 
our school so that uh, they could look after a few hobos. When in fact, for years, the people of West Melbourne had welcomed uh, our people who were sleeping out in the park and we had been looking after them very well. We were not against, in fact, having them closer to us than down the Gill Memorial. We were quite happy to have the Gill Memorial move into West Melbourne but not into our school. And as well as that, Mr Kennett closed Boundary Road, which was down near the North Melbourne Flats, so that North Melbourne Primary School now has hundreds and hundreds of of students in a school that was built for just over 200. It's not that the parents don't want public education. It is that Mr Kennett closed our schools and Mr Molino is not replacing them. He could replace one of them immediately if he just used the um, old uh, school up in Queensbury Street. And instead of using that for public and private principals, he could use it to educate our children because I assure you there are an awful lot of ladies with prams Mm. now walking around the streets of the inner city. Instead Mm. of that, we have Haleybury in the old NAB building down in William Street. Well, it's not that old, but um, they are going to have multi-storied school and they will almost certainly be using the Flagstaff Gardens as their backyard. So we're not very impressed at all Hmm. with what is happening. Now, why is this happening? It's happening because the money has not been paid into the taxation system for sufficient infrastructure and millions and billions of dollars of the money that is already there has been sent out the leaky sieve into the private sector, which has just duplicated facilities and is now in a resources arms race with swimming pools and tennis courts and what have you. That's not necessary for the education of a nation's children. When will we ever learn? Now, if you think that this is peculiar to Melbourne, you'd be wrong. Sydney is even worse off. So here we have a report from the ABC on what is happening in Sydney. The number of school children running through the gates of Sydney schools is set to move from a trickle into a flood over the next decade. New data from the Department of Planning and the Department of Education, combined by Fairfax Media, shows that more children than ever will take their seats in classrooms from Waverley to Camden. In the middle of it all, the City of Sydney will see a 41% growth in school-aged children over the next decade. No part of metropolitan Sydney will be untouched by the upswing in enrolments, which tends to go in cycles. Two decades ago, poor planning from the Coalition Griner government saw up to eight schools in the northern Sydney region close. Fast forward to today and the already overcrowded public schools of northern Sydney around Willoughby have continued to grow without relent, up 17% since 2012. For parents in the area, little relief is in sight after delays in building a new public school at Linfield and a projected growth rate of more than 12% for the region. In the east, Waverley has seen an explosion in student numbers, surging 22% in the past four years, the highest figure in the state. Five schools in the area now serve more than 2,500 students, compared with fewer than 1,900 four years ago. 
In total, there are now more than 790,000 students in public schools across New South Wales. The Australian Council for Educational Research says we need to build 385 classrooms every year for the next decade. Over the last four years, the government has spent $4 billion to provide over 900 new permanent classrooms. But it seems the surge in investment might not be quite enough to keep up with demand. The biggest test will come when the government's plethora of multi-billion dollar deals come on stream within the next decade. 16,000 residences will be built around the Bays precinct, while 62,000 people look set to move into Green Square. We haven't seen a school that can cope with that kind of demand yet. yet. Well, staying up in New South Wales, uh, you can also read uh, in the Education uh, HQ how New South Wales schools are actually crumbling under a repair bill. There's a a mounting $732 repair bill for crumbling New South Wales public schools, which could endanger students if the backlog continues. And um, the Labor Party is prepared to uh, talk about this up there. There's more than 2,000 government schools that need maintenance, including upgrades to sewerage, fixed damage roofs and installing guttering, according to the Education Department data from last June. Uh, Mr Foley, who was the Labor Party Premier, Premier up there and now the opposition leader, says that he fears that if this maintenance backlog isn't tackled as a government priority in this year's budget, we'll be getting to a stage where there's dangers for teachers and students. And uh, he, he talks about the various schools up there. Now, listeners, if you know New South Wales and Sydney, I assure you their schools are in better nick and more money has been put into them than down here in Victoria. But their backlog has surged by $190 million under the Baird government and spending is being outstripped by the growing bill. So what we need, of course, is more money into the system just to keep the system going. And there are many sources for that money. As we noticed last week, um, uh, when, they, when we talk about what Mr Turnbull is uh, promising, which is nothing, nothing, then we have to think very, very carefully about who we are going to vote for in this coming election. And according to the Save Our Schools, the ending of federal funding of public education is still on the agenda. Trevor Cobald points out that at the end of last month, the Prime Minister floated the idea that the federal government withdraw from funding public education as part of a proposal to allow the states to levy income tax. You might remember it was one of those thought bubbles that seems to have gone away. It hasn't. COAG has decided to consider an alternative proposal that will have the same effect of ending targeted federal government funding for public education. And the Prime Minister and his Education Minister are flagrantly misleading the public in the lead-up to the election. Now, this sleight of hand ranks with Tony Abbott's and Christopher Pine's 213 pre-election big lie that the coalition was on a unity ticket with the Labor on school funding. Remember they promised, oh yes, we'll fulfil the Gonski report. And of course they haven't. 
Now, the COAG, which is the group of state ministers, has agreed to consider a proposal for the federal government to share personal income tax revenue with the states in return for reducing the number of tied federal grants to the states. Now, the grants that come through to the states particularly to the private schools, are Section 96 grants, and they are tied. They are for specific purposes, although whether or not, as we have earlier suggested, the um, Catholic Education Office fulfils those purposes is highly questionable. Now, the states would continue to receive federal funding, but they would not be required to spend it on specific purposes such as education. So what has to date been earmarked for public education could be spent on anything by the state premiers. Under this proposal, there'd be no targeted federal funding for public education as there is now and has been for the last 40 years. It would be up to the states to decide how to spend their share of personal income taxation. And in an extreme case, they could decide not to spend any of it on public schools, but as they are doing in America and in England, they could start giving it holus bolus to private sector, multinationals, religious or otherwise. Now, the Prime Minister has said that this is an historic reform. Well, that is a question. Income tax was levied by the states until 1942 and the Second World War. But the Prime Minister has specifically referred to schools and hospitals as candidates for reducing tied grants to the states in return for a share of personal income tax revenue. This is, of course, I believe, because education and hospitals and health are the key issues that really do affect everybody. And the federal government doesn't want to be seen to be carrying the can anymore. But in this coming election, Mr Turnbull is still carrying the can of income tax And he is still giving money to the states for education and health. And the states only raise up up to not even 20% of the total money that they need to run the things for which they are responsible. So the Federation is in trouble and the taxation system needs to be looked at very carefully. So... Mr Turnbull has specifically referred to schools and hospitals as candidates for reducing the tied grants to the states. And Western Australia and South Australia and Northern Territory governments all have publicly endorsed his proposal. And in the post-COAG wash-up, the Assistant Treasurer, Kelly O'Dwyer, has said, it seems to make a lot of sense that the state should be fully accountable and responsible for education. Now, the proposal isn't new. It has, in fact, long been on the table as part of the federal government's campaign to reform federal-state financial relations and make the states fully responsible for a range of functions, 
And these, of course, are the functions that are laid down as state functions in Section 51 of the Australian Constitution. So Mr Turnbull is well within the constitutional framework when he talks about sending things back down to the states. Now, it's been suggested, this um, sending things down to the states, as an alternative to the states levying their own income taxes by the National Commission of Audit. So the federal government will be in charge of the management of the taxes, so they'll still, they will still be um, the people who get the taxes in, not the state governments. So that's all very strange. It's all a bit like the GST which has been highly questionable in the way it has been managed. Mm. Now, the proposal to end federal specific purpose funding of schools is only going to be confined to public schools, as we've seen. And the federal government will continue to take the main responsibility for funding private schools. And the Prime Minister has made it very clear that the Coalition will not countenance handing over responsibility for private school funding to the states because he claims they can't be trusted to fund private schools adequately. Well, that would be very nice, wouldn't it, if they didn't? Perhaps it's time to not only fund private schools but to take them over. It's long been the case. Um, If 75% of the funding... Uh, of their running costs, their costs is being paid for by the taxpayer, then if you did away with a few of them, if you rationalised our our educational facilities, and above all, if you didn't spend a whole lot of money on on swimming pools and tennis courts, then we would be doing much better by our children, I believe. Uh, The COAG decision clearly represents an ongoing threat to federal funding of public education, and work on untying the federal gains to public education and in return providing a share of personal income tax for the states will continue in the background. It hasn't gone away. And this has been confirmed by federal education officials who appeared at public hearings of the Senate Select Committee on School Funding in, on the 8th of April. The proposal will undoubtedly re-emerge after the election if the co-election is re-elected. And the Assistant Treasurer has indicated there would be ongoing discussions with the state treasurers and the premiers and it would be on the agenda of the next COAG meeting, which will be later in the year. So voters need to be very careful about what is really going on about the funding of public education. Listeners, dogs believe that this coming election will be a public education election and a public health election because Medicare is under the same is looking at the same kind of problems with these coalition governments that are do, doing the will of the Institute of Public Affairs and not governing in the interests of all of our children and people and citizens. Now, the proposal could lead to even further reductions in state funding of public education. The states have got a very bad record in supporting public education in recent years. And the Save Our Schools people, Trevor Trevor Cobalt, who um, is a Productivity Commissioner uh, man, 
His figures show that state funding per student in public schools adjusted for inflation has actually fallen by 6% from 2009 to 10 to 2013-14, but it has increased by 6.7% for private schools. Now, that's the states. That's not just the Commonwealth. Funding for public schools has fallen by 623 per student and increased by 153 per student in private schools. Certainly the large amount of additional funding identified by the Gonski report as needed to address extensive disadvantage in public schools is even more unlikely to be forthcoming. The Abbott and Turnbull governments sabotaged the Gonski plan by refusing to fund the last two years of the plan and releasing the participating states from their commitments to increase school funding over the six years of the plan. And the non-participating states have made no commitments to increase funding for public schools. Now, the loss in the additional federal government funding for public education after the last two years of Gonski has amounted to about $4.7 billion. And it's highly unlikely that the states would fill this hole if they took over full responsibility for public education. It's not even clear that they will fulfil their own commitments under the original plan to increase funding. New South Wales, with Piccoli, who knows about education in the our blocks in the rural uh, regions, is the only state that has fully committed to meeting its share. And this amounts to about an extra $1.4 billion for New South Wales public schools over the next six years. Now, that's the schools that they've got. And we've just heard that there is an enormous influx of children coming into the public schools of New South Wales. And I really do suspect that the same is here already in Melbourne and in Victoria. At this stage, it's not possible to determine the extent to which the states have provided additional funding under the Gonski Plan because nationally consistent funding data is not available beyond 2013 and 14. And if none of the states, apart from New South Wales, increase funding according to the original plan, the loss in funding of public education to 2018-19 will be a further $2.6 billion, giving a total loss in federal and state funding of over $7 billion. Now, these are big figures and these are worrying figures, but put those together with the billions and billions of dollars that the multinationals have not paid into the central treasury now that we are looking at the Fonseca material. And also consider the large number of families that are going to be very, very badly stretched if there is an economic downturn later this year. So where are their children going to go to school? They won't be going to Haley Berry in the city. They won't be going even to those new private schools that have been set up by the various Christian groups and other groups out in the outblocks because a lot of those will be going to the wall. Their business plans, like those of Acacia College, leave a lot to be desired. So um, I think that uh, we're going to have a very interesting few years for public education as parents realise that once again they have to fight for their children.
Now, handing over federal funding to the states without any requirements on where they spend it is to abandon the bipartisan approach of the last 40 years whereby federal governments have provided additional funding support specifically directed to disadvantaged students. Well, there is a question as to whether or not that's worked, the needs policy, but in some places it has given teachers a bit of a lift. Indigenous remote areas and disability students, of course, will certainly go to the wall. And over 80% of these students attend public schools. While the funding has never been adequate, as demonstrated by the Gonski report, it has been an important source of additional resources for disadvantaged schools and students. And in the 1970s, after the first Carmel report, the state school lobbies were bought off with the needs policy monies. There's no doubt about it. It's never been enough, but at least there has been something. Under this plan, there is no guarantee that there will be anything. So um, this is all very, very interesting stuff. The COAG proposal also reveals a major contradiction in national education policy. Over the past 15 to 20 years, COAG has developed a national approach to school education, most notably through national standards in literacy and numeracy, national student performance assessment, a national curriculum, national teaching standards and a national information base on school resources and performances. The Prime Minister, the Federal Minister for Education, some state leaders have said that these national approaches will be maintained. But the Minister for Education has emphasised that the Federal Government will continue to provide leadership in terms of areas such as NAPLAN, National Assessment Reporting on Literacy and Numeracy Skills and My School. But despite the acknowledgement of the federal role in school education, the federal government and COAG now propose to further fragment funding of schools. So we'll continue to have national education goals and standards, but are not, not a national funding approach to supporting them, which is crazy. The, the federal government and COAG want national consistency in educational standards, but not national consistency in funding of public education. So one really wonders what is going on. The COAG proposal is going to compound the incoherent and uncoordinated approach to school funding in Australia that was so heavily criticised by the Gonski report and it's going to make it more difficult to achieve progress towards national goals in education agreed by the governments under the National Education Agreement of 2009. First of all, the states are likely to continue to make different decisions about how much to fund public education and disadvantaged students, and some governments may choose to put more into public education and others less. Different funding decisions could well compound existing differences in school outcomes between the regions for students in public schools and especially for disadvantaged students, so that is what the Gonski plan was designed to overcome. Well... Dogs believe that eventually it will become more and more obvious that the funding of private education and the funding of disadvantage, when in fact you don't know where the disadvantage is, but you do know that it's in the public system, 80%, uh, is no way 
no way to run a national education system. The only way to do it is to look at the countries that do it well and successfully. And there is an international standard, in fact. The OECD and the IMF have got something to say about all of this. And the OECD is telling Australia that their report card is not good enough. And the IMF are telling the Western countries that they have got to start spending money, lots of money, on two things. Infrastructure, and that includes public education, and inequality. Unless the infrastructure and the growing inequality problems are addressed and very quickly, even in in the coming year, then the IMF is not very positive about our future economic uh, situation. So um, all of this is very interesting, but we'll have a little break now and um, perhaps another piece of music. Express Media is proud to present issue 103 of VoiceWorks, Bang, featuring more of the best fiction, non-fiction, poetry and visual art from young Australians. This issue of VoiceWorks takes you from Ferris wheels to intimate corners of Shanghai. It misses the train to the aquarium, leaving you time to ponder family, snap judgments, and what makes a tree a tree. On sale now and available from all good bookstores and online, check out our website, voiceworksmag.com.au. If you're a writer or artist under 25, send us your work, a 3CR supporter. Well, I've just got two more things from overseas that um, I think our listeners might be interested in. We've been talking about the wholesale privatisation uh, in in the United Kingdom, which is being criticised uh, very, very, very definitely by uh, the teachers and the backbenchers of Mr Cameron's own party. But Mr Cameron is vowing to finish the job on the academies. He wants almost all of the schools in England to literally be privatised. This is an imposition from above. Uh, It's a top-down reorganisation. And uh, some of the people in the government itself are prepared to listen to criticisms because there's great distress and annoyance in the voting public. Now, they're trying to say that it's a voluntary process when, of course, we know it's not a voluntary process. But meanwhile, amidst all of this privatisation, guess what's happening? The National Audit Office has said that the Education Department has failed to properly account for spending by academies. There's not enough accurate information for Parliament to account for the public money. And there's been a level of misstatement and uncertainty, which meant that the truth and the fairness of the accounts, which have just been published, could not be verified. And this is, of course, why you do not privatise education and give private schools public money. 
You certainly don't give big multinational corporations public money because it means a nonsense of democracy and ministerial accountability for the expenditure of public money. As we've discovered here in Victoria, the billions of dollars that have been given to the Catholic Education Office, in the end, they cannot be accounted for. Mr Molino cannot account for every penny that is spent on private education. But on the whole, he can do so if it is spent on public education, which is accountable to the public. And just one other other thing. Teachers all around the world are very important people. And in Turkey, we have been asked on the email to stand up for the Turkish teachers. There has been a deterioration of freedom of expressions, association and personal security faced by teaching colleagues in Turkish universities and in the media. And there have been a number of university professors and others uh, who had who signed a petition condemning the Turkish government's security operations in cities of the southeast, owing to the disastrous impact on the Kurdish civilian population. And for signing this petition, at least 38 teachers and academics have been dismissed and 29 have been suspended. And an Istanbul prosecutor is investigating all academics who signed the petition. And some of them have been arrested and they could face up to five years imprisonment. So this is where, in fact, um, teachers around the world have got to stick together. And while they forcefully condemn the suicide bombings of civilians that have recently plagued Turkey, teachers around the world insist it's unwise to silence any critique of a government's dealings with its Kurdish population when the general security situation of the country is actually deteriorating. So um, that has been signed by people from all around the world. A petition has gone to the the government uh, of Turkey standing up for those people, those brave people. And I think... We're lucky in Australia because we've got 3CR. We've still got 3CR. And we can say all of these things on 3CR. I assure you the dogs would not have been here, would not have been able to have taken a stand for 40 years because we've actually been here for 40-odd years uh, saying what has to be said Uh, if it hadn't been for 3CR. But I was very, very interested at last to to look at last week's Q&A and to listen to Jane Caro and to see the number of tweets underneath uh, on the screen, screen, uh, which were just saying, just stop giving public money to private schools. Let's have a good public education system in this country, which is publicly funded and open to all of our children. It is the only way forward for a good, robust democracy. It is a bit of a no-brainer. Yes, it is. 
Bye for now. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.